0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Fostering Focus from Norfolk County Council. I'm Scott, the Marketing Manager for the Fostering and Adoption Service. We set up our podcast so that you, the listener, can hear firsthand from our current foster carers, social workers and team members. We'll be discussing various topics which help you in your decision to become a foster carer. Today, I'm speaking with Michelle, the Adoption Service Manager at Norfolk County Council. And today, we're going to be discussing non-violence Resistance Training, or NVR for short. This is our first podcast on this subject, and we'll be covering all aspects of NVR in the coming weeks. This conversation was recorded on the 25th of March 2021, and we hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, Michelle. Hi. So, Michelle, Nonviolence Resistance, or NVR for short, addresses violent, destructive and harmful behaviours in children and adolescents. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process?
1: Oh, absolutely. But before I start, perhaps I can explain where NVR actually comes from. NVR is a concept that draws inspiration from those who've sought to bring about changes in society in a non-violent manner. Famous examples include Gandhi, Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. And the NVR Parenting Programme approach was introduced by a gentleman called Haim Omer in 2004. And So basically, NVR aims to offer a series of tools and techniques to support parents and carers of children who display challenging attitudes and behaviours. And parents and carers are guided through a set of core principles based on the idea of carefully planned actions to help support the management of challenging behaviour. And as parents gain greater confidence and self-control, This enables difficult issues to be addressed in an effective manner through a process of increasing parental presence. And as that parental presence grows, so does the rebuilding of the loving parent-carer-child relationship.
0: That's great, Michelle. Thanks for that. Um, And what would you say the the principles are of, of MVR?
1: NVR, when we look at it, we call it the NVR pillars of strength. So what we have primarily is the connection before correction. We have parental presence. We have de-escalation. We have baskets, reconciliation gestures, active resistance, supporters and self-care announcements and sit-ins or sit-with. But one of the big thing about MVR is actually it's not a manualized approach. You don't have to follow things in a set manner, which does create difficulties when we come to do the training, because yeah. obviously there is no one start in place. And what we say to people when they're on the MVR is actually it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And at first, it won't make much sense. But as it all comes together, hopefully it does. So the main principles around MVR is which parents and carers sometimes struggle with. The first one is we're not looking to change a child's behavior. And parents often go But actually, my child is really challenging. My child is really violent. NVR is all about the adults in that child's world in terms of them doing all the hard work. And the hope is that in time, the child's behaviors may then change and NVR will help to heal those relationships. And another really key principle in NVR is I come in peace. I mean you no harm. And by that, we mean in terms of we're not gonna be violent towards a child, we're not gonna shout at a child, We're gonna think about our tone of voice, and we're gonna think about our body language. Everything has to signify peace and actually that can be really difficult because we're so used to maybe you know crossing our arms or doing things um so it's really thinking about how you present to that child and for that we say we strike when the iron is cold Mm. so we don't enter any conversations when either the child or the adult is dysregulated and has that red mist coming down because actually those will lead to uh, to escalation and we also say it's really okay to be silent for a short period of time. And we use that silence to really kind of help to regulate the adult. Yeah. You know, when your red mist comes down, your reptilian part of the brain is activated. We need to be able to get a heart rate down. We need to be able to breathe so we can get our cognitive part of the brain functioning again. And so we can stop and think how we are going to phrase what we are saying. So, yeah, we just kind of, I guess for me, the other thing is we do say that support is really important and we don't use that carrot and stick uh, parenting approach in terms of there's no consequences, but we take planned action. And the big thing for me in terms of NVR, it is finding the difference which makes a difference. If we carry on doing the same thing, we're going to get the same response. So it's about how do we do different to actually create that difference in our lives.
0: So like you said, kind of your mannerisms, you know, being welcoming, being open, Yeah. parents out there, we've all been in that situation with with children where they've had the red mist and you're just increasing anxieties, especially in young people. So kind of that, like you said, striking when the iron is cold waiting for it to deescalate waiting for that that calm down yeah. moment and and something that you touched on as well in when you were talking about you know what is nvr the gesture yeah. the open gesture the gesture that they're not expect they're not expecting
1: Absolutely. Because actually, if you take those planned actions, when you're deferring your response and you come into it, then you are calm. It has so much more effect than actually getting into that escalation with a child. And actually, when you are escalating, you're actually taking the focus away from that child. And actually, it's back on you as the adult that you've lost that Mm. control. And one thing within MVR in terms of the feedback is children are quite kind of shocked by this change and the fact that we're not going to argue with them. Um, We're going to come back to it at at a time of our choosing. So it's really empowering uh, rather than taking things away. And people sometimes think, well, if I don't respond to it in the here and now, then I'm letting them get away with it. We're not because we come back to it at a time of our choosing. And actually we're then more in control and we're less likely To end up in an argument with a child or young person. And actually, that deferring is really helpful to be thinking about how the language you're going to use. Within MVR, we're very much about on I Mm statements. So it's about how you are feeling rather than about the other person. So you're taking responsibility for how you feel, which actually they can't really argue with. Um, And we do, you know. It is hard, NVR, because we're kind of programmed to respond. But from people who've done the NVR, they actually find it really helpful that they're not getting into that escalation. And actually, as they go on and do NVR, what they're able to do is recognise when their child has given them an invitation to escalate and they choose not to accept that invitation.
0: Yeah. You know, I know when we've spoke about this in the past as well of also the child or young person how it switches something on in the brain of kind of you know you've it's de-escalated it's the next day and the favorite cereal is there and they're kind of not expecting it and then the question is well I'm not why have I got this they are then questioning you well you know we need to talk about that later but it's a new dawn it's I I suppose what I'm trying to say is it's not about holding on and having that grudge uh, that you haven't got it you've got to let it go and then you've got to speak in a calm manner when the time is right but you can't take something away from them because they're not understanding their own feelings I suppose that's what I'm trying to trying to get at here
1: absolutely absolutely yeah yeah. And, and, and very often the thing about consequences is when, you know, and I'm just as guilty as the next, you know, before and my husband is absolutely awful. I <laughs> keep saying this to all the people I'm training who find it really hard. But, you know, actually, when we're really angry and we say ridiculous consequences like that is it, you're not having your Xbox yeah. or Internet for the next six months, really we don't stick to it. So what is the point of it? Within MVR, we're very much about those kind of natural consequences. And I'll give an example. When I did my training, my trainer, Rachel, who was fantastic, was working with an adoptive dad. And every morning, he and his daughter would get into an argument because he wanted her to wear a school coat. She didn't want to wear yeah. it. So the trainer worked with the adoptive dad to find out why this was such a big issue. And within MVR, we do need parents and carers to really self-reflective about what are their own triggers and so for him he was able to name it that he was worried that the school would judge him Mm -hmm. that his daughter it was cold and his daughter was not wearing a coat and he was worried about what perhaps people in the community would look and and think about him so they did some work and she supported him to ring up the school and explain the situation But one of the things that she asked him, which I use a lot in my training, is does your daughter speak English? And he was like, yep, she does. Does your daughter have a hearing impairment? No, she Mm. doesn't. Does your daughter have access to the thing you want her to have, in this case, a coat? And he was like, yes. She chose it herself. It's hanging up in the cupboard. She was like you've done your duty as a parent. The natural consequence in this case is, she might get a bit cold going to school now obviously she's not going to die from that it would be different if she was living in antarctica but actually it's okay so you don't get into a battle around that so again within mvr it's very much about prioritizing what are the behaviors that we're not going to tolerate and for all the other behaviors we just let them go because we're not picking that battle
0: that's a really good analogy, but I think we've all all been there, Michelle. I mean, I, I can remember as a teenager, you know, Mum, Dad, put your coat on before you go. Yeah. You put it on, yeah. and then you'd accidentally leave it at the back yeah. door or something because you know you're with your mates and you're with your friends, and it's not a cool thing to go in your in your coat. But fifteen years down the line, it's a cold day. You're putting your coat on because it's cold, <laughs> yeah. and, and you're yeah, feeling absolutely. it more. But yeah, that's um, yeah. that's that's you know that's a really really good point that you've got there. So obviously, we're talking about we, we talked about how things escalate really quickly. Yeah. by not understanding the situation, and I suppose many of us parents, uh, foster carers, adopters, we don't realise we're fueling the fire, do we? No, and, uh, and that red mist that you talked about.
1: Yeah, and what we try and say is we break it down into what our brains are in terms of we have a three-part brain model. The new brain is our thinking part of the brain where we can think about and reflect on experience. The middle part of the brain mm. is our emotional part of the brain and our reptile part of the brain is our oldest part. And this is characterized by instinct and fight, flight, fright and freeze. And parents are often invited into the reptile mode by children and young people okay. We may inhibit this part of the brain really frequently. But what we try and say to parents is that when reptile meets reptile, the only outcome is that mutual escalation, which is why when you feel yourself go in there, actually be silent, walk yeah. away, do something so you can actually bring your heartbeat down. Down, you can actually calm yourself down and we're not going to go there and what we try and teach kind of uh, or inform parents is recognizing the escalation patterns that we have so there is symmetrical or joint escalation and this is where the parent and child each attempt to win the upper hand by countering the move of the other although not consciously and so in an example would be The child raises their voice, parent raises their voice. The child shouts, the parent shouts, the child shouts louder, the parent shouts louder. And actually, it's about recognizing. So we have that. And then we have complementary escalation. And this is where the young person becomes more and more aggressive, whilst adults feel increasingly helpless and give in to the young person's demands. So an example of this is the child shouts and demands. And after a while, the parent gives in and let the child have their way. And in that, the child learns that they can get their own way if they make enough fuss and will repeat this pattern as often as they can and basically parents talk about that as treading on eggshells and but NVR does as I said before does require a lot of self-reflection and really important to think about where parents sit in terms of that complementary or symmetrical escalation and to be really self-reflective and and own where where they go with it because they need to kind of really know themselves to be able to then stop themselves going into that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah that does that does make sense And, and you know we've all we've all been there. Who can shout the loudest, you yeah, know, absolutely. you know, it starts off fairly calm and then it gets louder and louder and louder. And, it, and like you yeah. said, it's it's about saying to your young person, I like you, like you said, you turn it on yourself. I feel yeah. that yeah. we need to step away from this conversation and come back to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what we say to parents and carers, at first, de-escalation can feel like giving in, but as they get used to the idea that they, they, as adults, will be taking that planned delayed actions instead of the impulsive actions in the heat of the moment, it becomes easier. Mm. And when we do the course, obviously, we introduce more and more tools. And, and with the concept of de-escalation, the parent returns to the issues at a neutral time and actually learns greater self-control. So we're not going down to the same level as that child or young person.
0: Yeah, you're in that situation you've done your training. You're saying to your young person, yep. I feel that we need to step away from this or I feel this and I feel that. Yep. How do yep. you combat that with the young person wanting to resolve that in the here and now of, I'm you know just sort of trying to you know putting it out there that they they're not going to take that answer. They don't want to take that answer. They want a resolution. They want their own way. How does NVR prepare you for for those type of conversations as well?
1: And it could well be. We've I've worked with families where they've had young children actually follow them around because they escalate and escalate and escalate. And in those cases, obviously safety has to be paramount. And actually, one of the things we say Mm -hmm. to parents and carers, if you've got a child like that, actually, when they are calm and when you are calm, explain that actually, if you feel unsafe, if I feel unsafe, I'm going to take myself off for a couple of minutes and just actually allow myself some time to calm myself down or or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I've had parents that have gone into the bathroom um, because it's the only room with a lock so they can a get some distance between themselves so they're not getting hurt but also allow that space to enable them to calm down and they make it into a nice space you know they've got one parent put magazines and candles and stuff so it's not feeling like she had to lock herself away but actually she was going to a nicer place with that
0: A, a calm a calm place
1: Yeah, yeah, a calm place, a place where I'm going to be safe, a place where I can just sit and breathe and calm and think, okay. And some children really struggle. And I I will give an example with my daughter. You know, I started my NVR training. The twenty-third of September 2019. I have a teenage daughter. Um, she's not adopted, she's not fostered, I need to put that there. But I haven't had an argument with her since that first day of my training. But I remember one Saturday her coming downstairs, woken up in a clearly foul mood. I'd overstretched herself, overbooked herself, and she was saying, I what do I do today? And she was looking for me to make decisions based on, you know, what she should cancel, etc. Because she was in that foul mood, I knew if I said X, she would argue Y. I knew if I said Y, she would argue X. So I was silent, thinking I've just gone on this course. I should know what I'm doing. And it's like, calm, calm, calm. And in the end, I said, you know what? my daughter i won't use her name i love you so much i'll support whatever decisions you make now clearly she was not happy with that and she stomped off back upstairs slammed the door but within five minutes she had made a decision about what she was going to do and it hadn't led to us arguing over it
0: and it was her and and it was her decision wasn't it (laughs) you know
1: absolutely she owned that decision because actually if i'd made the decision and actually she hadn't liked it it would have led to an argument so you have to really um think in the moment with nvr and think about your responses
0: yeah and because she owned that if if you'd have made your recommendation and she'd gone with that recommendation was okay with that but then that recommendation turned out to be not what she expected not what she wanted that then there's that blame yeah i shouldn't have listened to you i should have done what i wanted to do but because she owned it if it didn't work out and she didn't enjoy what she would chosen then that decision is hers
1: then she'd learn from the and she'd learn from the consequences of that you know she is a teenager actually it's up to her to make some decisions
0: yeah i think we've covered some of the do's and do nots what what would you what would you say your key kind of you know do's and do nots are
1: I think the key one, as I touched when I was in the principles, going through them, is doing different. Because if you do the same, you are going to get the same. So actually finding that difference which makes a difference. Mm. It might sound really easy, but it's not. But actually just trying to um, think of different ways that you will manage situations. So that example with my, you know, daughter, I. When she came downstairs, I was like, you know, rabbit in the headlights, as it were, because I was thinking I can see where this is going. And actually having that ability to really recognize what she was leading me to and me actively resisting that invitation to go there. So, again, you have to really know yourself. You have to know your children. And, you know, it's not easy. NVR is really, really, really hard work from a parent or adult perspective. But it is so worth it because what you end up doing is really you're fighting for that relationship with that child. And actually, you're actively resisting that behavior. You're increasing your parental presence by not giving into all these escalations. And I'll do another session, Scott, on kind of love bombing, which is a huge part of NVR. And it really is about, actually, I'm going to do this how I want to parent. I'm going to be the parent or carer that I want to be, irrespective of your behavior. And I am going to fight for that right to be that parent yeah. is a huge part of NVR.
0: Just before we end this end this session, because we've discussed a lot and we're going to have other episodes in this season, which you know, this season is just going to be looking at NVR and the various different topics. From today's discussion, people are listening and they're. Uh, how can I put this into place? If there was one thing that they could take away from this episode that you would say, one thing that you can just try at home, what would that one thing, what would you say to them? You know, that little gem, that little nugget, just to sort of say, start with this.
1: I would probably start with actually I'm not going to argue with my children because it gets absolutely nowhere um, and I would try that Um, it's easier said than done but actually do it another thing as part of it is in terms of I did mean to touch on it earlier and apologies within MVR we do talk about saying things only once um, and again that goes back to the natural consequences if they don't do something but for me the biggie is not accepting not getting into those arguments and actually picking your battles and when we look at de-escalation we will do a really lovely exercise about how we focus on what behaviors to actually kind of hone in on and really thinking is this worth this battle is it worth this fight most of the time it really isn't
0: and i know for me i'm going to take some of this away i'm going to try and implement it like yourself got two teenagers you know those teenage years can, with hormones etc., can be very hard as a parent to understand. Kind of where, if you've got a daughter or a son, or you've, you know, you've got an adopted young person or a, or, or a fostered young person, it is very like you say, you pick and we say about picking and choosing battles, but it's not about having a battle, is it? At the end of the day, this is, this is all about not having the battle. This is about de-escalating it, calming the situation down
1: And coming back to it at a time of our choosing to have those non-confrontational conversations when everyone is calm, because we don't stay away from having those conversations, but we only do it when everyone is calm, because actually once you're in that moment, nobody is actually listening to each other at all. If you're both angry, you're not hearing each other, you're not processing what the other person is saying, you're just Mm. getting into a battle.
0: I kind of you know from my point of view I would I would explain well how I would see that is you're just hearing white noise aren't you because you are you're 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 such a heated element of that of that argument that conversation that you're only hearing what you're saying you're not hearing what the other person is saying so it's kind of that white noise that you're that that you're hearing Um, and Michelle it's been fantastic
1: brilliant thank you glad you enjoyed it NVR as I, I said in the beginning is not about changing the child. Um one of the things we're not trying to do and we're not uh, going into that argument we're not trying to change the child's mind, mm. we're just hopefully changing the child's behavior when we adopt all these NVR principles and tools and hopefully I'll explain more as we do a couple more sessions.
0: That's great that's great Michelle. And just to give people a flavor you know you, you've they, they go on the nvr course which is eight weeks if you listen if you're not listening in norfolk and you are listening across yeah. the uk hopefully your fostering or adoption service can offer nvr to you as well but in principle how long does it take to implement that at home with your with your child with your foster child with your adopted child how long does it take to sort of implement everything and put it into practice i know it's really difficult but
1: it is really difficult, and I what I would say is I think it varies from every family, mm-hmm. and it also varies to how much parents and adults are willing to really work at it and really kind of embody. I would say the NVR principles. I've done now five eight week courses. I would say for a majority of the parents, not all of them actually at the end of the eight weeks they've been sharing some absolutely lovely examples of using MVR. Um, we're talking with some families really severe violence and at the end of it the violence has stopped because they've been implementing all the principles so it can vary which is not helpful but
0: but no but it kind of gives uh, an un- you know a really good understanding to our listeners that you know people that have been on this course each module they are you know trying to implement as they go so kind of on the job learning you know on the you know if you're a doctor or you're a foster carer you know or if you're just a normal run of the mill parent like i am it is it is just about implementing the sections that work for you or finding the bit that works for you and your family.
1: Yeah, and as I said, it's not a manualised approach. So when we do the eight-week course, actually some bits parents might think, well, actually that's not for me or my family and that's absolutely fine. But we are still upskilling them with all of the information. And so if things get more difficult, then they have that information to take away with them and to think about coming back to it.
0: I suppose, you know, liken it to a jigsaw piece, and you've got some pieces mm. missing you're putting the pieces that you're missing in there to create your plan yeah exactly it, you know it kind of a, as, a, as a perspective there michelle it's been fantastic having you on the podcast i'm really looking forward to the to our next one where we're going to be discussing other aspects of the mvr course big thank you michelle until next time this has been fostering focus